Hello and welcome to A Little Spooky, a podcast about things that scare us just a little bit. Things like aliens and cryptids and kind of like when you jerk yourself awake right after you fall asleep. My name is Everett and this is my co-host. I'm Colleen. How are you doing this fine evening, Colleen? Pretty good. Not too shabby. What's on the mind today? Well, today we're going to talk about something very interesting to me in particular. We are going to be talking about the Wendigo. Wendigo. Or Wendigo, Wincigo, Ouijigo. Ouijigo. Ouijigo, Wendigo. There are so many different ways to pronounce it. Do you, do you know about the new Luigi? Gooigi. <laughs> that is not real, is yes, it? Yes, there was a new uh, Luigi's Mansion game where he like, hunts ghosts and stuff, and there's like another no. new character that's kind of like a spectral Luigi, and his name is Gooigi. That is unfortunate. <laughs> it's just whatever name you said, it reminded me of that. Well, the reason it has so many different pronunciations, and I'm sure no matter how I pronounce it, it's going to be wrong. But um, this is a creature that has long been known by tribes around the Great Lakes area and Canada. Of course, yes. Um, the Ojibwa, the Eastern Cree, the Nascapi, the Potawatomi. There's a bunch of Algonquin tribes that have variations of this. And the reason I picked it is because we are up here in the Great White North. Mm -hmm. And I... I did not know much about Wendigos. I've yeah. heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. I, for reference, my family is, well, we're white. We're very white. And I've come from an Irish background. So all of the legends that I grew up with are things like selkies and banshees and fairies. But now I live in Duluth, Minnesota. I've always lived in the upper Midwest. And it's time to learn about the creatures that are actually native to where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Wendigos are like something that have always kind of eluded my knowledge, I suppose. It's something I've always known about. But I don't know too much about it. I know they like are there's something I've definitely seen in pop culture a lot, like different movies and TV shows. And it's all I know is they're really freaking creepy um, so and they can go invisible like I, a superhero sometimes. Yes. I um. I knew nothing about them other than the couple episodes of Supernatural that have oh, yeah. a Wendigo in That's them. Right. And I remember as a kid, I read a book or two about a Wendigo. But like, you know, people take creative liberties when they're writing entertainment as opposed to like retelling kind of the sure. history of this creature. Of so before I get started telling the story of the Wendigo, I thought it would be helpful to explain to people who aren't from around here what it's like up here. So you can kind of see the cultural significance of the Wendigo and what it comes from. Duluth, Minnesota is right on the shores of Lake Superior. In fact, where I am right now, I can see Lake Superior from my window. And every morning we can see the cold air and the clouds rising up from Lake Superior. It is currently October and we already have snow on the ground. The winters up here are... To, to me, yes, they're brutal. I was a lot of people up here. If you ask them, they'll say like, "No, they're not that bad," but they're hard. They are long and they are hard. They start in October and they end in May. early May. Uh, when people think of winter, that like you know, live in LA or somewhere where it's like temperate or hot weather year round, this is probably what they picture. 
Um, it's just really, really cold and really snowy near the lakes. Yes. And especially we get that lake effect snow. So we get a lot of snow and we also get the winds blowing off of Lake Superior. So we are regularly wind chill wise in the negatives. Yeah. Like, Often um, like in January, we're just constantly in say negative 15 wind chill. Yeah. If not more. So the, the winters up here are cold, which means that the people who inhabited this area had to have been some hardy people. And that was the Ojibwa, Potawatomi, a variety of um, Algonquin tribes. But I think generally, if we're talking specifically Duluth, it was generally the Ojibwa people. I believe so, yes. They wore buckskin clothing. They generally inhabited wigwams, which are kind of like you might know more about this than me. Yeah, and Cohen did the research for this episode, so I'm just kind of talking off the top of my head right now. Um, I'm not too familiar with the tribes native to our local area right now, but I do think they did live in wigwams. And for those that don't know, that's more of a semi-permanent housing as opposed to a teepee, which it's a still lot movable. Of, yes, it is movable, um, but unlike a teepee, which is I think what more people are familiar with, because teepees were meant to be broken down easily and transported and put up very easily. But a wigwam, even though you can move it, it's a little bit more involved and it's a little more insulated, uh, more to be able to last a few winters in a row before you need to build a new one. Yeah, and it's a wooden frame with probably, I would assume, like animal skins or something to insulate yep. it and then birch bark birch stretched bark on, the, on outside. the outside. Yes. And you lit fires on the inside, right? Like yep, you and could... there's a hole at the top where you would let the um, smoke leave the wigwam. But yeah, you would light fires inside. Right. So I imagine with like a family in there and a fire, it, you could get pretty cozy. Yeah. And they're a lot bigger than teepees too. I, I mean, I think they varied in size, but I think they usually were in like a diameter of like 10 to 15 feet. So they were much bigger than a teepee. Right. And as I was reading in the summers, these tribes are very social. Everybody has to work together to prepare for the upcoming long winter. And in the winter, they tend to kind of stick to their own little family units just for survival. Mm -hmm. So that's a very, 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 very basic overview of what life was like in early pre-colonization times in the Northwoods. It's dark, it's cold, lots of trees. Yes. Lots and, of wind. And I if if Colin, if you don't mind, I do want to talk a little bit about the Northwoods too. I know you did all sure. of the research for the the Wendigo and all the talk that we're going to be going through this episode. Uh, but just for a little bit of background for people that aren't from this area, the Northwoods are terrifying when you go there at night um i wanted to kind of just share a personal experience i had um See, i've never like gone hiking or stayed in the northwoods i'm not a camper yeah so so this was back when i was in high school and i'm not going to include names of the people involved for their privacy but a friend invited me to a cabin in the northwoods when we were i think we were juniors or seniors in high school um he had just gone through like a breakup so it was pretty rough for him um but he uh, just wanted to kind of relax and chill with some friends. So it was me and him, um, his uncle. It was just the three of us. And then um, we're just hanging out, playing games and stuff. And then one night we wanted to go for a hike. The woods are very, very quiet. Mm -hmm. Especially, lot. I would imagine in the winter, especially. 
This was winter, cover. though. This was, I, I think it was fall. Okay. Um, but regardless, yes, it does get extremely cold. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was the only noise. That, that's why we're kind of scaring ourselves, because it was crunchy. There were fallen leaves all over the paths when we were taking a hike. Um, so it was extremely quiet when we weren't moving. But then when we walked, it was like gunshots in the night, like how loud it was, like the to contrast. your perception, at least. Exactly. Con- okay. Like in contrast, the silence and then crunching while you're walking in the leaves. Um, so we're walking and then we do hear someone in the distance also walking. And this is an extremely, extremely isolated area. It was behind us, so we figured it must have been his uncle. So we kind of just waited and waited. Um, and after a few minutes, they stopped too, whoever it was. But eventually we found out. Um, Can I, in what time is this? This is supposed to be like late at night. You're no, hiking was, in the dark. I mean, it was, it was like dusk. Okay. So like so it was. dusk there was in some, the fall. So it was yes. probably like 6 p.m. So there was some light, but it okay. wasn't like daytime either. Sure. Okay. So we're walking and then we end up figuring out that there's someone following us in like full camo. And this was not his uncle. So it was extremely creepy. And then they went up into a deer tent or whatever those are called, where people hide in like little huts in the trees for hunting deer. Deer stand. Yeah, deer stand. That's right. I'm not a hunter, (laughs) so I don't know. Um, (laughs) So we kind of keep walking around the trail and head head back. And then this person gets out again and starts following us again. What the hell is going on? This person's like following us and it's not his uncle. And then he realizes it's his girlfriend. The one he broke up with? Yes. That's actually... She's wearing camo? Yes. She was kind of a hick. So, like, that was Oh, okay. To be it wasn't, like, a <laughs> but, thing. But anyway, so he shouts, I know who you are. Wendy, go. Shut up. Wendy, this go. This is not real. I hate everything about what just happened. Please. <laughs> Please, can I have those five minutes of my life back? <laughs> but, I mean, there is truth to that, though, how there terrifying no the woods <laughs> is. See, okay, you just undermined all of the seriousness <laughs> I put into my description of the Northwoods. <laughs> Go on, please. All right. Um, you know what? Long story short, I don't blame you if you want to turn the podcast off right now. But Northwoods, very dark, very imposing, very quiet. It would take a strong person, people, to live up here in the past through, I would consider a brutal winter. <laughs> sorry, I can't stop thinking about how stupid that joke was. I'm sorry, but I'm not really <laughs> sorry. I mean, it was worth it. <laughs> so dumb. Okay. Anyways, brutal winter. People had to be hardy people. Even now, like if I was living he- up here alone and I have all of the I, I couldn't amenities. Imagine having to like hunt or something in the winter. No, I'm just thinking like being so isolated up here, even in like current times. I the seasonal affective disorder, like the, the amount of darkness in versus daytime. All that I see, absolute horror. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let me just start this story. So the Wendigo is a monstrous beast that roams the north wood i'm going to refer to it as the wendigo but there are so many different pronunciations yeah, i think that's the most common way just wendigo right yeah. if anybody speaks any of these native languages please feel free to email me because i would be incredibly interested to know the actual pronunciation she's not being like facetious like 
Cohen was no, a I linguistics have, major. So Yes, I have a thing for languages. So feel free. Give me your language facts. But Wendigos are most often associated with winter and cold. And in some legends, they're evil, man-eating ice giants. But in others, they used to be human beings who have committed the act of cannibalism. Skinwalker. Yes, similar to that. So basically, cannibalism, I guess, or gluttony or any kind of sin of that nature, Mm -hmm. essentially is what turns turns you into a Wendigo. And in those cases, the human is frozen inside the heart of the monster. And the only way to defeat the monster is to kill the human in the heart, which I think is interesting because that must mean that these beings must be giant. Mm. You're not like, like shrunk. Okay. I was going to say, I mean, maybe it's more of like a symbolic thing. Nope. Nope. It's the actual, you have to drive a stake into the heart of the human in the heart of the Wendigo. Okay. To kill it. That's one legend. In another legend, the first Wendigo is said to have been a warrior who made a deal with the devil in order to get supernatural powers to help his tribe in a war. So he gave up his soul. He was turned into a Wendigo. And that gave him all these supernatural powers. And he was able to use that to aid his tribe in defending against a warring tribe. But when peacetime came, the tribe had no need for a Wendigo anymore. And mm-hmm. Wendigos are known for their like gluttony and they're terrifying and scary. So they cast him out. That was another story. And another story, Wendigos can be summoned by evil shamans who would send them out as like curses to their enemies. And there are a ton of different descriptions of Wendigos. But the, the ones that I found that had things in common were... There are, it's giant. It has a lipless mouth. It has jagged yellow fangs, extremely long claws, a super long tongue, and as it walks, it leaves footprints full of blood. Which I think is its own blood or like the blood of its prior victims. I'm gonna imagine the victims. Both. It could be both. But it's always described as being impossibly skinny. That's what I've always pictured. Yeah, like a very skinny, slender, not slender man, but just tall and skinny. Right. So it's it's described as emaciated from starvation and it roams the woods looking for human flesh to eat. Which kind of ties back to that potential cannibalism thing. Right. No matter how much it eats, it's always hungry. Um, There are some accounts that say it grows in proportion to the amount of people it ate. You know, it can get huge. Depending on how many people it can gorge yeah, That's true for like almost any animal or especially fish. You know, they grow to their local ecology or whatever. Yeah, I'm I mean, I'm thinking this is supposed to be more of like it can get impossibly large. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that almost all of the accounts I read say that the more it eats, the hungrier it gets. Which, again, ties back to the the concept of gluttony. They generally preyed on the weak or socially distant people in a community. So you can see this is basically just a tale telling people to keep in line. Yeah. We need you to work to assist us in getting this tribe prepared for winter. You can't take more than you, you need. And there is this overarching theme of no matter how desperate you are, never eat human flesh. Well, and also, like, you can't take a break because the Wendigo will get you or something like 
gotta well, stay with yeah, the rest I mean, of us. Don't be socially, don't be the weirdo. Right. Don't be like. I, w- I will say, though, if it was like, if this was just a story and it was just for the sake of plot, like it would be like, it would make sense for the Wendigo to like hunt down someone that's left behind because they're weak or right. whatever. So that makes also makes sense, too. Right. So basically, it just means keep up, keep up, like do your work. Stay with the family. Stay with the family. Don't take more than you need. Don't eat people. And yes, don't eat people. Well, the thing is, I imagine that up here, hundreds of years ago, that may there have were, been an issue. Yeah. Yes, there were plenty of times where the winter is incredibly brutal. Mm-hmm. It lasts longer than you no, think it no would. No deer, or bird, or fish to find, and right, yeah. and that might be an issue. I, I mean, okay, but would you eat people? I think if I was we're in that start situation, about the Donner Party at this point, but no, but like if if I was in that situation and like say you and I were like in the Northwoods and we were stranded up there and you died and I had nothing else to eat, I'd eat you. Yeah, I think if it was like a dead body, I'd be more willing to. But I'm not going to kill someone for their. No, meat. no, that's just that's rude. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> we could agree on that. <laughs> that's just rude. Okay, so most stories of the Wendigo begin with a single person or a small group trapped alone in the wilderness in winter without food. Which, again, if that person turns to eating one of the other people, it would turn him into a Wendigo. That Wendigo would kill a group member and take on that person's personality Mm. before eventually killing and eating the rest of the group. It's like Among Us. Yes, so it's interesting because to me, they're always described as tall, terrifying, skinny, emaciated giants. But it sounds like, at least in some tales, the Wendigo can at least at first pass off as somebody else to trick you into feeling comfortable enough for it to kill all of you and eat right. you. I imagine then it turns into the spooky, spooky well, and, and the stories I've also always heard about the Wendigo is it's, it shares a lot of similarities with uh, skinwalkers, not only in how they're created, but also they can potentially shapeshift too right. for, for that purpose of kind of blending in. Right. This was the first I had heard of it. Yeah. Because to me, when you say tall, emaciated, giant, I'm picturing something okay. that would blend in with the trees of the Northwoods. Sure, yeah. Which I think would be terrifying if you were, you know, out alone foraging in the Northwoods. Like a 50-foot tall, skinny ass. Yeah, but I imagine, like, if you were paranoid like I am, you every tree behind you, you would think is like a Wendigo stalking you. Or if you just, like, see a tree, like, shift a branch That's or what I mean. Like Not you with would... the wind, but, like, by, by itself. Ah, Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's that's scary. I mean, it's oh, also yeah. equally scary to think that like, you could be a Wendigo right now, luring me to my death. So long con. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there are variations of people turning into Wendigos told not only by the local tribes, but there are a bunch of cases documented by missionaries and explorers in the 17th century. There have mm. been... Europeans up here, particularly in Duluth, since the 1600s. Fur traders. Fur traders, exactly. Yep. Um, And their accounts are very interesting because these early fur traders, they weren't like big settlements. It was individual people and they tended to kind of integrate in with the local tribes as they were, you know, making trades and stuff. So they would hear all the local legends. One account says you can turn into a Wendigo by encountering it in the wilderness or being possessed by it in your dreams. And it's apparently practically impossible to escape a Wendigo because it has supernatural abilities. The ones that are always mentioned are impossible speed and endurance, 
and it can hear a heartbeat from miles away. Freddy from Nightmare on Elm Street going into your dreams and hunting you down. Well, yes. One account that I read actually was a missionary, I believe, recounting the story of a man who had dreamed that he became a Wendigo and then started showing the symptoms of Wendigo. Being super tall and skinny? Well, <laughs> being super bloodthirsty and oh. cannibalistic and like just wanting to attack people. Interesting. And I will get to that later because I have more stories. I have a theory too, and I will save it, but yes. Okay. Well, as a Wendigo stalks you, it toys with you. It can mimic mm, the daddy voices. Daddy <laughs> It can mimic the voices of people you love. So if I heard, oh, daddy, stop in the woods. Probably would make you stop. <laughs> I think I would just walk faster. I don't know. Life as a woman is a little different than it is as a man. If I hear the phrase, oh, daddy, stop, I ain't stopping. <laughs> When it gets down to business and chases you, it rips up trees, it can cause ice storms, it can cause animal stampedes, basically anything that creates more famine. Because more famine means more gluttony, or at least more potential for cannibalism, but also more Wendigos. starvation, people being more willing to do desperate things. Yeah, which Wendigos. means more Wendigos. Yeah. Um, Wendigos are known to regenerate, and in many legends, the only way to kill it is with a silver bullet, a blade, or a stake, and you have to drive it directly into the Wendigo's ice-cold heart. So they are generally known to have hearts made of ice, and that heart may also have a human in it. Depending on the story. Depending on the but legend. It does, yeah, it shares a lot, like, with all of those old legends, like yes. werewolves and vampires and... Right. There's another legend that says you have to cut its heart out and melt the heart in a fire and then dismember the body and bury its pieces in, like, I think under a church or something. I think as time went yeah, on. Yeah, add more and more to it. Yes, more and more went on. I think, obviously, it wasn't there. I think originally <laughs> it was just a tall, scary monster. I don't necessarily know there was, like, a legend for killing it. Some people said that a shaman can kill it with specific rituals. Right. So there are ways to defeat it, but it sounds like they're not easily obtainable. Basically, the best way to avoid a Wendigo is avoid gluttony and cannibalism. Stay, and stay with your out. family and friends. Yes. So this legend has existed for centuries, like way before Europeans arrived. And there are reports of Wendigos and people turning into Wendigos from Jesuit missionaries around here in 1636. And after all the way up until I think the most recent one I read was in 1907. One, one story that gave the legend credence at the time was the story of Jack Fiddler. And he was a member of the Cree tribe in Ontario in the early 1900s. And he told a Western missionary about his like supernatural ability to seek out and kill Wendigos. And he claimed to have killed 14 of them. He did this, though, by killing tribe members before they even turned into Wendigos. So he had like a feeling they were going. He sounds like a serial killer. Well, or like an exorcist, like, you know. It, yes. Like someone that's like taking advantage of mentally. It sounds like a witch people. hunt to me. Right. Yeah. Um, he was eventually arrested for killing a woman before she transformed. Obviously, this was back like. By the time people had settled this area. This story, though, led credibility to the possibilities that Wendigos were real at the time. 
I don't think that it lends credibility no, to it, not, personally. No, at least not that story. But at the time, if you're superstitious, yeah. I mean, and there yeah. were people who were dying as a result of other people who believed Wendigos existed, I suppose you would take it seriously enough. Well, I guess you could compare it to what I just said, too, about exorcisms, like back in the 70s when the exorcism came out, or the exorcist came out, and then a lot of people were afraid of demons at that point in time. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Another thing that I read, and this I only read in one spot, but I thought it was an interesting connection, is somebody kept referring to the Wendigo as the, as the rake. Oh, like the creepypasta. Yeah, and I don't know much about that creepy pasta other than that it's like a skinny creepy. Yeah, it does creep. look I guess it does kind of look how you were describing a wendigo although it's not super tall. It was a kind of a thing that like sat at the end of your bed and watched you sleep. Like I I, I think it depends on which story you're reading, but the one I remember is it just stared at you. I'm not sure. I I don't know much about it. I just I thought that was an interesting connection because I know the rake was is a recent yeah. Very recently written story. If you're interested, just Google image search the rake and like the first probably like 20 images are all going to be the same picture. It's like some drawing of like a thing with claws like sitting hunched over at the end of a bed. And I guess that is similar to the the uh, Wendigo like with the claws too. Do we know why the rake shows up? Does it show up for any reason? I don't think so. I think it okay. just likes hunting children or something. Okay. And it was called the rake, I think, because of its claws. Like, rake-like. And it was just one article I read that had posted videos, and they kept saying, oh, this person keeps referring to the Wendigo as a rake. So I don't... It may have just been that one person that made that connection, but I think it's it's interesting that... I mean, that's still such a terrifying image to this day like, yeah. that's essentially the concept of the wendigo but there is another element to this story that i had no idea existed and it makes sense the concept of the wendigo is terrifying but as we said it, it makes sense yeah culturally a like a as cautionary like a cautionary tale. tale but there's actually a mental illness that it's disputed, but some psy psychiatrists believe that it's legitimate and it is called the Wendigo psychosis. Mm. And this is not something I knew anything about. And this is super interesting. This Wendigo psychosis, the symptoms are that the person who contracts it has an intense craving for human flesh and an intense fear that they are going to become a cannibal. It's noted that this syndrome usually develops in the winter. In people in the Great Lakes area. To, oh, shit. To, be, to people who are isolated for really long periods of time. Weird. Yeah. So initially the symptoms are a bad appetite, nausea, vomiting. And then the person develops a delusion of actually being turned into a Wendigo. So in order for this to like potentially take hold, if you're to believe this is a real illness, you have to be knowledgeable of the Wendigo. See, I would assume, but it, if the symptoms are just you see people as becoming increasingly less and less people and more and more like food, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know that you have to believe you're turning into a Wendigo, but you have to believe you're turning into a cannibal right? or some like something. And I think they find it genuinely terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I think in almost other than a couple cultures and almost every culture on earth. It's like, that's the number one taboo is don't eat people other than also don't kill people. Right. Obviously. Right. 
So this psychosis is actually documented just as far back as the the uh, stories of Wendigos that Jesuit missionaries and and fur traders have mm. talked about. I mean, some of the European fur traders and settlers believed in the concept of the Wendigo. Others came and looked at it from a completely detached point of view and saw it immediately as a mental illness. One account was in 1661, a Jesuit relations document noted that there were men, quote, seized with an ailment unknown to us, but not unusual among the people. They are afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, or frenzy, but they have a combination of all of these species of disease, which affects their imaginations and causes them more than canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men like veritable werewolves and devour them voraciously without being able to appease their appetite. They're always seeking fresh prey and the more greedily they eat. The ailment attacked even our deputies and as death is the sole remedy for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness. Hmm. So there were actual accounts Documented accounts. Documented accounts of more than one instance of this. Hmm. Um, and I actually was reading a book in which um, a man was describing a member of their tribe who they believed had Wendigo psychosis and was sent to stay with nuns at a convent in the hopes sure. of curing her. Um, but she had all of these. She was terrified she was going to become a cannibal. She had like superhuman strength. In that, like, she would attack people and just keep going. Yeah. No matter how people were restraining her. So that's just, that's crazy. And and there's another account that I found from a couple hundred years later, 1878. There was a Cree trapper with the Hudson Bay Company, and his name was Swift Runner. And his family began starving in the winter of 1878, along with a lot of other Cree families. It's probably just a really bad winter. His eldest son died of starvation. And even though he was only 25 miles away from emergency food supplies, he killed and ate all of his remaining five children and his wife. Well, so that's another like cautionary tale. Like, is this is the concept of the Wendigo based on the mental illness or is the mental illness based on the concept of the Wendigo or is the Wendigo real? Are they actually Wendigos? Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, it, maybe the concept of the Wendigo is literally just describing these types of accounts and not necessarily like that these accounts were born from the tale of the window, Wendigo. I think it's more likely that they were interpreting the mental illness. Right. Or was it more of a cautionary tale or did it start as a cautionary tale that kind of evolved into a psychosis? I can imagine if you are isolated in the freezing winter, you're starving, it's dark. I'd go, I'd go crazy. I yeah. mean, I don't necessarily know that I'd focus on cannibalism, but. Well, and that's, I mean, that's kind of what I mentioned that I had a theory earlier too. And I think this is kind of a good time to bring it up. I think what, how it could be explained is be, you have a case of cabin fever. It's extremely cold. You have nowhere to go. So much snow that you can't leave your general area. What if that is combined with something like rabies? Okay, I have that written on here. Does this not sound like rabies yeah, to you? Yeah, it really does. I mean, ra and I believe rabies is fatal, too. I mean, after you have... Uh, yes, even now. Yes, right. So after you have it for a certain amount of time, you're, like, going to die. But 
I don't know in those accounts that you just talked about if like all of those people died soon after too or Well, from everything I read, the only way to stop these people was to kill them or when they died. Right. So there but was, there was no-, no actual like documented evidence of how that happened in this specific right. account. From what I read, like the the tribe members believe Probably. this person was a Wendigo and killed them. Sure, yeah. And then the the missionaries who assumed it was a mental illness even said, death is the sole remedy for checking such acts of murder. Right. So I don't know that many of these people survived. But I will say, cases of Wendigo psychosis basically started to die off the more and more uh, European settlers came in and kind of... I mean, the, it, the tale of the Wendigo no longer held as much weight as it was. Well, it's also because white people killed everyone, too. And because so. white people are the worst. Yeah. But, well, like, <laughs> I mean, least, it, it would make sense. In, that these, in the past. Well, it would make sense that these tales died out if natives died out in general. Like, C- right. Well, and again, I've lived up here m- my entire life, not necessarily in Duluth, but in the upper Midwest where these tales are from and basically it's just now that i've been hearing about them because i grew up in a family that was told european beliefs all the way down from well and i think one other thing to think about too is if this um what what was it called wendigo psychosis Mm -hmm. what if that is a hereditary disorder so you could only inherit it like if you have the right genome or the right set of like traits passed down so it would make sense then that these are far and few between now if there's just less natives in general it could be it could be but i mean there's still quite a few native americans up here no i know i'm just saying by sheer numbers like you know whites and other races far outnumber native americans so i mean i i I was that was just a point i thought of i have no idea but Right. I'm I'm not sure because to me it seems more of a um, a result of isolation and like just cuz I imagine if I was isolated and a, like alone mm-hmm. and cold and hungry I would and bit by a rabbit squirrel and potentially had rabies. I, I mean would I think that makes a lot more sense honestly. Rabies? Yeah. I mean potentially it the thing is I feel like at this time people already knew what rabies was. I mean, is rabies that what is, frenzy is? Like, I, at one point when you were reading uh, one of the stories, you said frenzy. Maybe that's what that is. I don't know. I'm, I'm. But yeah, I'm sure, sure everyone knew about rabies, but. But so my here's my conclusion. What is a Wendigo? It seems to be a tale that just the, the actual creature itself to me, just a tale that reinforces the needs of these indigenous communities that you need to share resources to survive. Any person who took more than they needed or refused to share anything was essentially considered a monster. Mm -hmm. You have become the Wendigo. Cannibalism, obviously, huge taboo. So this story warned people what would happen to you if you turned to cannibalism, if you were desperate. And you can even see, like, the image of the Wendigo. It has, like, no skin. It has no lips. It has, like, no soft tissue. It's described as, like, having skin hanging off of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that sounds like frostbite. Oh, yeah. So they're... They're taking a real life thing and turning it into a cautionary tale. To me, it seems like an amalgamation of all of the terrifying things that can happen to you in the winter. Right. Personified in a way in the winter. Yeah, that's a 
good point too. I didn't even think about frostbite too. Yeah. It was super interesting. I had never heard of Wendigo psychosis and I would love to read more about it, but I tried to focus more on the, my research more on the creature, but obviously that ties into it. It was super interesting. And it's especially, it's, it's easy to relate to because those are winters that I have experienced. Not necessarily. Yeah. You're not in a wigwam. Right. No, but like but, waking up in the dark and going to bed when it's dark, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like going to work when it's dark, coming home yes. from work when it's dark, having like, like basically having, yes, basically having no daylight, freezing cold, you're stuck in your house, you get cabin fever. I can understand perhaps where this came from. And having been in the Northwoods, like seeing the area around us, Lake Superior, just, um, I don't know. It's, it means more to me than all of the tales that I was told growing up because I've experienced. Yeah, it's not, I mean, even though it's your, your, um, your heritage, heritage, you're not like in Scotland or in Ireland. Right. Like there's a lot of tales, Irish tales that involve the ocean. And, you know, while I live by Lake Superior, though, that's not my reality. Yeah. There's no seals or. Right. So it's more interesting because this is the land that I'm from. So this was, it's important, I think, to understand the original culture here. Yeah. So it was super interesting. Well, um, that was super interesting. And I want to point out that this is one of our first recorded episodes before we have any listener feedback. So at this point in every episode, we would be talking about listener uh, stories or personal experiences. So please uh, send us any spooky tales you would like to have shared on the podcast, and we would be happy to read them. Sounds like this turd Everett already shared his dumb <laughs> themes ex-listener And if you, story. if you enjoyed my personal story, please let me know. I would appreciate it. Yeah, and if you hated it, also <laughs> let us know. I would love. Leave comments. Um, feel free to send us an email, nerdslothhq. On all at gmail.com and on all of the social media, Nerdsloth HQ. Um, we will I will do my best to post um images. I'll try to find a picture of the rake. Yeah, the images rake and of the Wendigo too. Of the Wendigo and, and couple, I there's I know a couple famous pictures of the Wendigo. Yes, and if I can find um like a quick summary of the Jesuit descript like one or two Jesuit oh, descriptions, sure. that would be cool to post too. So um if there's anything in particular you would like to see please feel free to let us know as well. And also, um, if you want any specific thing to be talked about on this podcast, if you have any requests, yeah, yeah let us know. I mean, anything that spooks you a little bit. Yeah. We're happy to kind of look into a little bit of everything. Yeah. Well, thank you to nerd sloth for hosting our podcast. We and love you. We love you. Thank you for listening to us. And we will hopefully be talking to you again next week. Wendy go. Oh my God. Okay. Bye. I love you. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash NerdSloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at NerdSloth.com.